Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Great days, great days, great days of God moving. Who watched the, um, the moon, the blood red moon? And uh, who watched that, who prayed under that? We did on the shoreline at uh, the mid-north coast. Julie and I got out in the craggy, rocky uh, shelf there and, uh, and we just stood under and it was cloudy, but the clouds moved and we saw it. We saw glimmer, glimpses of red red tones, and um, we prayed for about an hour, we prayed into that, and uh, we really believe, man, I heard a message, I don't even understand what it means, it's all about Jewish alignments, and it's it's only happened seven times in 2,000 years, Uh, help me Jesus, and, uh, but uh, if you want to know what it's about, go to my uh, Facebook page, and I, I think I've put a great article in there or um, a, a link in there for Rod Parsley, uh, probably one of the most awesome preachers and prophetic men of God who just tells it like it is and um, very spirited delivery of what that means. He does say it's changed. There's a change happening and there's a change to Israel and there's a change to the planet and to the, to the, the, to the whole just the whole deal of what God's trying to do and uh, and there's some you know we've got to be real and there's some downside to that there's events that may shock people and unhinge people and we certainly don't want to see you freaking out we want you to be stable and strong I think Isaiah talks about a scripture to be stable in the word you know wisdom will give us stability and um, we need that. We need stability in these times. We don't need to be grimacing and countenance down and worried. No, we've got great hope, great faith. And uh, in that, uh, it comes from the Word of God, but it just doesn't come because we went to a spirited meeting and, uh, and, and we just felt great about that and we walked out. And that's, that's not going to help. That's just going to allow you to be a fair-weather friend. Amen? <laughs> you know, when you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're down. So we need you to be uh, all-weather people. That's how we actually end up, we're able to use this property. We, we, we sort of began to use the property even before we bought it. How is that for faith? And uh, <laughs> so we actually started work on it before we bought it. Uh, the owner allowed us, in a way. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I think we had about 400 tonne of soil brought anyway. Um, so the only reason we're able to use it and to do church in the tent, five years in a tent, was that there was an all-weather road. Uh, if it was just the normal ground, which is this property, uh, after it rains and cars drive on it, it would have went to mud and you would have been slipping and sliding and would have really reduced the, the congregation right down to just the four-wheelers, like guys like Cam Harvey, who's got winches and stuff like that. and, and uh, But... We had an all-weather road, and this lady had it put in for some reason. She had it put in for her son's 21st party. And, and then she had the power put on 
for her son's 21st party. And then she had the water put on for, for the horses that she had, adjustment and stuff. But we ended up realizing, oh my God, we can get in on this property. We could probably put a tent up and, and oh, we got power. Oh my goodness, they put water on for us. So five years we're able to do church for that miraculous provision. Isn't that fantastic? God supplies all our need. According Now this, this preach, and it, it really comes from us being on holidays. We had a great time in our little, little caravan, our little $2,000 caravan that we've uh, that we take out on the road, and and uh, I, I and we park beside the, the ocean. And Julie loves the ocean, loves to hear the ocean, and she loves not to straighten her hair every day. And we go feral, basically. <laughs> we go feral. We we just I grow a beard. Julie's hair is all over the joint. No lipstick, no makeup. She loves it because everyone else is feral too. And uh, that's, the, that's the real way to have a holiday, by the way. In resorts, you've got to get up. Even if you go down to the reception, all right, straighten the hair, put the makeup on. Yeah, not me, Julie. And, uh, <laughs> and down to the reception, da-da-da-la. Yeah, yeah. I had your guess, guys. <laughs> um, this ain't going to work. It's warming up now. So... I read a scripture before I went walking, and I love to prayer walk, and I love to access God and pray, and I just love to walk and pray. I do a lot of walk about 30 k's a week, just defragging, but praying. I, I just dialogue with God as I walk. I've got to be in the bush or the beach. I can't do concrete paths. Sorry, guys, Jules, sorry. She's tried to convert me to concrete paths. I just can't do it. I've got to be on ground. And... Um, I read a scripture before I went read, uh, uh, walking in Galatians chapter 2, and it's about Paul um, turning up to give an account of himself after he's been doing all this great stuff for about 14 years, and uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, radically saved, was a Pharisee and, and uh, murderous, going after Christians, arresting them, killing them, and incredible conversion. And he works out that, oh my God, we're saved by grace. We're saved, you know, it's not all about this religion. It's, it's literally about receiving this great gift of Christ. And he's preaching this. Now he needs to give an account to these bigwigs, um, you know, Peter and John and James. And, and uh, he turns up and he's given an account of what he believes in Galatians chapter 2. He's given an account of what, for him, the gospel is. And he's given an account, they're going, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Look, you, you do what you got to do. So they agreed with him that it was good. The uh, revelation he got was good. But there's a scripture there that says, and there was these ones spying on them. And it said, spying on the freedom that they had in Christ. That they were spying on them. And that really stuck with me as I went walking. You know, what was this freedom that they had? That literally they were going, what are these guys doing? It was like a bit like Gillian Andrews' place yesterday. We had 30 kids and Joey's fifth birthday, my grandchild Joey turned five and just the whole street shut down and hot air balloons up in there and, you know, the skydiver and the, there's a name being written in the sky and... And, uh, you know, and uh, I'm using some imagination there, but it was literally, there's kids everywhere, man. I was just like, oh, my God. And um, 
I could imagine some of the neighbours saying, who are these people? What are they on? What are they about? And for, <laughs> for me, when, I, when we, Julie and I turned up in the church in the 80s, we, we sensed there was a freedom there in, in the house of God. So I just want to give you a little bit of why I'm preaching this message, all right? Can I just do that for a couple of moments? So we turned up in the church in the 80s, and there was great freedom. A lot of the mainline people, Anglicans and Baptists, and, had come out of that into this new type of church, which was a charismatic Pentecostal, happy clappy, they would call us. That's the happy clappy lot, is it? And um, someone said, you're still going to the happy clappies. And um, you don't hear that saying much anymore. But um, they were, they were, they were a, a, a little bit elated. They were a little bit starry-eyed. They, they were even, I, I believe, sort of uh, enlivened. Uh, they had a life about them that was quite open. It was like a mini party almost turning up to these church meetings where people were loving on each other and eyeballing each other and shaking hands. And, and then, then it got real crazy. They were prophesying over each other. And they were speaking in tongues. Even while they were waiting at the cafe, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were laying hands on each other, believing for healing. They were talking about revelate. They were talking about revelation that they had downloaded, and it was a God. It was a, it was a festival of God stuff. Do you remember those days, Katrina? And and it was awesome. We were exploring stuff. You know, we were exploring the scriptures and exploring, you know, what God was saying and doing, and and we had this freedom to lift our hands to lift our hands and clap our hands, and some were even doing the jig. Do you remember that? I couldn't believe it. I was so groovy, I joined the church, and I became like a complete nerd and square person by doing these, singing just really, to be honest, ordinary songs, not like the great songs we have now, but the lyric content was enough to get us over the line, amen? See how the word gets us over the line? And the Spirit was there. You couldn't fault it. The Spirit of God was there. And people were effervescent with this new freedom that they were having in God, as opposed to the very staid religious delivery of the church, maybe, that they were used to or they thought that they needed to abide in. So a lot of people got saved through that. A lot of people transferred over from the mainline church into these type of churches. And then, can I just say this? I think we've gotten a bit too sensible. These uh, just saying to Julie, you know, when we first started the church, it was crazy. We were just crazily trying to do God's will, trying to do God's work, but we had a sense of freedom. No fear of man, no fear of constraints, no, no sense of constraint, but trying to do our darnest to do what God had called us to do. Amen? And so we were. We were laying hands on everyone. We were praying. We were, we were doing all that because we sensed that freedom. I will say, I think in the last 10 years or so, I think the church has gotten so sensible that we're actually dumbing the church down. And we're all dressed nice and we're smiling and 
And, uh, we, you know, we've just, we, we just got this, it, it, I hope it's not just a form of godliness, you know, denying the power of the joy of, the, of, the, of Christ in us that's busting to get out. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'd love to think that we are set free in Christ and that we have this ability to walk through life not being constrained by our personality, our dispositions, our hurts, entrapped by those things. But man, I'm set free. And then I'd like to think people would come spy on us. So that's where this message comes from. They're, they're just, they're, they're peering in the back door, you know. Go, what are they doing in there, you know? What's happening? You know, I've heard about this light, this happy, clappy light. So, you know, hey, would they pray for me? Yeah, come down, mate. You know, because we got to believe that what we have is worthwhile spying on. Amen? Give it up for Jesus right there. That's what I... How do you become a free person, you might ask? Yeah, a couple of statements. Living a free nation does not ensure personal freedom, nor does attending church. So true. Being religious never made anyone free. Even we, we, Look, we know Christians that are even bound. Come on, we, we, they're bound, they're unloving, they're chained up to compulsive habits, personality dispositions, they're prickly, uh, you know that. The bottom line of the gospel is freedom. Say freedom. Christ, or God made the ultimate investment through his son Jesus, walked the earth, paid the price, dying on a cross, rose, lives, seated at the right hand of the Father. Massive price when you accept it that that was personally done for you. There's got to be more than just, I definitely think there's got to be more to our salvation through that great sacrifice than probably what we're presently experiencing, amen? The final measure, this statement, the final measure of our experience of our Lord's love and forgiveness is whether or not it has liberated us from fear, guilt, the past, condemnation and shame so that we can love him, love others, love yourself. Set free to love God, love others, love yourself. Man, just that, to love yourself. People have a problem with that. Not just loving God, but loving others, loving themselves. So, Jesus stands up in Isaiah 61, he quotes Isaiah 61, verse 1, but he stands up in the synagogue and it says it in Luke 4, 18, is that right there? Spirit of the Lord, he says, he walks in, he's been empowered by the Spirit now, and this is his first proclamation. So he says, okay, you ready for some scriptures? You ready? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Here it is. To proclaim freedom. Say freedom. For the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Stop. That's all he said. He didn't talk about the vengeance of the Lord in that. 
That's where we're in now. The favor of the Lord. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I honestly believe, when I think about this, I think one of the great revelations that we need is the understanding that we have this freedom to love God, this freedom to be who we are, without people-pleasing, the fear of man. Do you know anything about that? Or, or, Or any disposition that we have to be set free from manipulating people even, to be set free to be who Christ wants us to be. Isaiah 60 60 verse 1 in the Amplified says, Arise from the depression, prostration in which circumstances have kept you, rising to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This glory of the Lord is what Adam and Eve had before they sinned and abdicated And they lost the glory and they tried to cover themselves, right? Remember the fig leaves? And they tried to cover themselves with with religion or something like many people do. So it says in Psalms 84 verse 11, for the Lord, this this is where we're living right now. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. So much favor and honor towards us. No good thing does he withhold. No good thing does he withhold from us in our salvation. You just have to have faith to appropriate it. Amen? That's why we talked about faith in the series. You need faith to access God, to access all these promises, to access your best life. You need to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless, meaning those people who are walking on the path of righteousness. Amen? Now it says in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in the time of my favor, that's now, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation, amen? So you can receive that for yourself, you can receive it for your neighbor, you can receive it for your friend. Now is the time for salvation for the people in our community. What is salvation? Let's call it a process of restoration. Uh, Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. They gave credence to someone else's voice. God spoke to them and said, do this, don't do that. They rebelled. They left themselves out. And I did say the fig leaves, they tried to cover themselves up. But at the end of the day, There's only one thing that can restore us back to God in his presence. And that is, the New Testament says it, Jesus says it. It's one of the big statements he says. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is the only way. You can try and cover things up. You can try and be a goody two-shoes. You can try and earn brownie points. But there's only one way. You've got to be brutally honest with God. It's your heart, he knows your heart, and him together. And it says in Amos 3.3, 3, 
Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Let's think about God. Let's think, let's think about this, having to be brutally honest with God where we stand. And, and then it says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Let's get real with God. Sometimes I counsel people just simply by saying that. It might be the last thing I say to them. But I would say, get real with God, get real with others, and get real with yourself. Because some people have themselves on. Some people are duplicit. Some people are just having God on. They just don't realize that God can see all things. Amen? Then it says in 1 John 1, 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, and that's where we're supposed to walk on this path of righteousness, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's freedom right there. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. One nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is a very important scripture, that one right there. And we would quote that over and over again. If you confess your sins, if you really be real with God, he can heal that. He can set you free. He can give you liberty if you honestly be be real with him. Salvation is Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from dominion of darkness. I'm causing, I'm laying in some foundation here to expose what is salvation and what is not. So Col- Colossians 1.13 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Somehow we were unsaved in our unsaved state and our friends who are unsaved are under this cloud, under the curse of spiritual death. That's how real it is. They're bound. They can't help it. They're prone to sin and to be enslaved to sin. No matter how good they look, no matter how great they've got their life together, they are still bound to the things of sin and to the things of darkness. That's how stark that is. When we understand that, when we look at people and say, I know you got your act together, I know you got a nice house, you got your career together, but still, man, you're bound. You need to be set free. You need freedom, amen? And when you, when you look at people like this, when you interpret their lostness like this, it helps you to be a little bit more passionate for their salvation, amen? Because you can have some very nice looking, very well together people going, going south towards hell instead of into glory, into heaven, amen? Yeah. And this is where we got to, you know understand how the reality of the situation. Colossians 1.13 says it like this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. 
Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus. So the first part of salvation is basically understanding that Jesus saves. Praise God. Many people do it. They come down to the altar and they say, I want Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And they come down and they go, right, what do I got to do now? Well, I guess any one would realize, I've got to do good things. I've got to have a moral purity. I will try and do the right things. I will try and live like these people. I won't swear, I won't drink. Uh, I will turn up to meetings. I'll even give my, my tithe to the Lord. Uh, I'll even worship God. Can you see this, Lord God? But that can actually be legalistic in not understanding the the totality of your salvation, which is that you're saved. There's nothing you can do to earn a a right placement in God. You've received righteousness. You've been justified. You've been set free, man. Yeah, you can behave yourself. You can, and you should, and you should have discipline and stuff like that. But people honestly think they're hoodwinking God by this pretense and that's not what the freedom, the freedom that Paul had, who was living under the Ten Commandments, Paul, okay, so he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows the word better than anyone. He could debate, he could argue with the best of everyone. And he ends up realizing, says, you know what, blow all that. It's Christ and him crucified. It's the power of just that. I'm saved. I don't have to earn my way. I don't have to know more scriptures. I don't have, okay, so the Jewish religion was what, Ten Commandments, Then they added 600 rules, 600 rules. Okay, so who wants to get saved? We've got 10 commandments and 600 rules that you're going to have to adhere to. Amen? Who's going to want that? Or who's going to want, who wants Jesus? It's a free gift. Just let him come into your heart and you're saved. Bound for heaven, smile of heaven on your life. Glory, glory, hallelujah, amen. And, and, And that is what energized Paul to realize, oh my God, all these scriptures, all this Old Testament I know, all, all, this, all this theology I know in God. They asked a great th- theologian, what's the most powerful thing you can say to us as we're finishing up our interview? He says, uh, oh, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That was the best thing he could have said. That's why that picture, can we have that picture up there again, Thanks. That's why that picture is so pertinent to our... Because religion is constantly being on the edge of appeasing him with great effort to say, I'm worthy. The rituals, the the Old Testament rituals, the sacrificing, the the rules. Man, it's just so hard. And and then the self-righteousness would come up in the, you know, the Pharisees had this sense of self-righteousness, looked down on everyone, especially the people outside the church. No, Christ said, hey, forget all that. Just believe under me and you can be you can be set free to love, you, love God, love others, love yourself. I love that. And he loves me despite the fact I fail him every day. So we're conditioned to maybe think when we blow it that dad or mom is going to chastise us, look down on us. But God is constantly smiling. 
He's just barracking us on. He's just, come on, you can do it. That's a bad day, but my mercies are new every morning. I mean, I'm still loving on you. But if you, if you only accept partial, your partial salvation and think, I did give my life to Jesus and I promised to be on my best behavior and, 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 I, and he knows I'm not, oh no. And people literally leave the church, leave the youth group especially because they don't probably have a full-blown understanding of their salvation, amen. But isn't it a beautiful thing when you can bounce back in the day, in the hour, in the second and say, God, I know you still love me. This is awesome. So salvation is a Greek word, soterion, meaning to rescue, to deliver, to bring to safety, to liberate. See, it's much more dramatic, release or cause preservation. The word is linked to the concepts of forgiveness, healing, prosperity, restoration and freedom. All these benefits are implied by that word salvation. The deal is is to let them into every area of your life. Without salvation, there's no restoration. There's no getting back to God's original plan to be in his presence and understanding that he loves us totally, immensely, wonderfully. So much more to our freedom in Christ than just saying the sinner's prayer and letting it go at that. Allowing forgiveness to come into those areas of our life where stuff has happened to us, injustices, abuse, stuff, stuff, where everyone's got things and you know you, you got stuff when someone's name is mentioned or you hark back and think about that event and you go, oh. but God can set us free from that. God can set you free from every disposition, everything of the past. And that, my friend, is what Christ wants for us. The totality of our freedom, this life-changing power of salvation to take that in and receive wholeness. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, My God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole body be set free. Including your health. All the younger guys are getting into their health. That's cool. Set your body free from all that stuff that's going to cause you injury, disease, and ill health. Do it to your soul too. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in everything, even in your health. Just as your soul is prospering. This is God. I want to prosper your health. I want to prosper your soul. I want to prosper you. Every air. I want to get my healing, my, my forgiveness into you. I want you to prosper, to prosper. I want you to be able. One lady said, I haven't smiled since 1944 when my husband died in a, in a, in a, in a plane crash in the war. So, and, and revival hit her in the 90s. And she, she said, I'm, out, I'm, I'm laughing, I'm crying. I've just never had this release. I've literally not cried or laughed for 40 years. Isn't that amazing? God wants to liberate you. I don't smile. You might in Christ's freedom, you might smile. I don't do handshakes. You might in Christ's freedom. I don't give. You might if you were set free to give, to be generous. Ollie, where's Ollie? He's the man I thought you were missing. I thought you did the giving message and you went, went off to work or something. <laughs> Do 
The key thing, I, I think, for me in the church that we knew of years ago, and I hope it's the same now as the Holy Spirit, the great agent of restoration. Holy Spirit is acting on our behalf, restoring us to freedom in Christ. He manifests himself to us, to counsel us, to comfort us. You really have to have faith for this, that the Holy Spirit's around. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Say that. Is it still morning? Good morning. Say good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning. It's a good, just in the morning. It's a famous Benny Hinn. What is it? Benny Hinn. Book. 70s. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I just didn't want to say Benny Hill, that's all. <laughs> Benny Hinn. And he says, Catherine Kuhlman made me realize, the great evangelist made me realize, oh my God, the Holy Spirit's so personal. It's a person, not a it. Not a it, personal. Evan likes the Holy Spirit. He's from Ballina. He used to sit by the beach, they tell me. That's why Jesse married him. I said, tell me about this guy. He loves God, Dad. He's cool. He sits beside the beach with his Bible and ponders God. and He knows the Holy Spirit intimately. I said, great, awesome. Marry him. John 16, verse 7, But very, verily, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. So it's the Holy Spirit that's convicting us about stuff, about our sin, and righteousness, how to behave ourselves, how to live unto God, and judgment. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what he is yet to come. By the way, the most important person on the, on the planet is the Holy Spirit. He will glorify. Someone went to heaven and said, where's the Holy Spirit? And they laughed at him. He said, you're kidding? Where's the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit's on earth. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from, what, from me what he will make known to you. So there's the crisis of faith right there. The Apostle John says it like this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was the Father and has appeared to us. John 1, 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship. See, the key way to have fellowship with God is to be real with God, ask for forgiveness, receive the word of God, receive his truth into your heart. And again, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. This is what they were spying on. Why are these ex-Jewish people and Gentiles, why are they so elated? Say elated. Why are they so jubilant? Say jubilant. Why are they so excited? Say excited. What is about Gail Balding? Why is she so smiling and waving and happy all the time? She's elated. She's got joy. The joy of the Lord. She's excited about 
being one with Christ. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's great. So it helps unity when we're real with God, real with ourselves, real with each other. And he is the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, I think it's in Hebrews, it talks about the deceitfulness of sin, how it, how it deceives us deceives our heart. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is the key, guys, to get freedom. If we can, here it is, if we confess our sins, confess our dispositions, can confess our cragginess, our ugliness, confess our stuff, our stuff, and say, God, I want to be set free. Why do I respond like this? Why do I give people the, 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 the stiff hand? Why, why do I do that? Ask God to forgive you. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jim Gull says in this statement, if God's word does finally penetrate our hearts and minds and not become diluted, intellectualized, I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about God speaking to you, but I'm talking about the word too. If God's word does not finally penetrate our hearts and minds and not become diluted, intellectualized, or strange theological theories of cessationism, cessationism that you don't believe in miracles for today or the gifts for today, or emotional barriers, you just can't take it, you just can't receive the truth. We might, we might not sow actual fig leaves, but the obstructions to intimate fellowship with our hearts and souls shield us just as effectively from God's approaching presence. That's not the freedom that Christ would have for us. Christ should be able to come close. We need to be able to receive that. There should be that freedom where all of a sudden you're standing anywhere, anytime, and you feel God's presence, and God speaks to you, and he whispers to you and encourages you and comforts you, but he says, go and talk to that person. Do this, give that, say that. That's the freedom we have. Or you can be conditioned or you could be a fear of man and, and you can be constrained in wherever you find yourself and you don't have that freedom. But isn't it a beautiful thing, Jules, when you can be standing anywhere and you say, my God, God's speaking to me. I feel that. I receive that. Magnificent sermon recorded in Acts 13, 17 to 47 have a look at that later. Acts 13, verse 17, one of the great sermons in the Bible. It's the Apostle Paul, and um, he gives a clear understanding of what a free person means. And just the last couple of verses, I think it's Acts 13, 38, he says as a conclusion, he gives this great paraphrase of how God released God's people and how he figured in them being blessed and to possess their land, which for us now in the New Testament is possessed our total salvation, I believe. So Acts, he rounds it up by saying, Acts 13, verse 38, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, who is it through? The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free. Say set free. From every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain 
under the law of Moses. Basically, Paul's saying a justification, a right standing that not even 10 commandments, 600 rules, and being the best Pharisee on the, you know, that has ever lived, that is not going to amount to a hill of beans. It is Christ. And I just want to say to you, coming to church and is awesome, but let's not just start behaving like Christians. Let's explore the totality of our salvation. Let, let's, let's the, let, the, let the Lord go deeper into our life where we can be free in our personality to some people are not singing because they're in fear. They have panic attacks. Isn't it amazing? That, anyway, people that go on X, X Factor and stuff like that, they just have, the, and they can't sing. They go and they, they're atrocious. But they just have this compulsion, this freedom. We should have more freedom than that. We should have freedom to live our lives. And Jesus, right now we pray, Father in heaven, help us not be constrained and help us not lean on all the trappings of our Christianity, our modern-day Christianity, even our great bands and worship and presentations and all this stuff, it seems like to almost say you have to be sharp, smart. You have to be just ordered. How about a bit of disorder? How about a bit of, bit of Holy Ghost chaos? People breaking out and doing what Christ has asked them to do. No, if I go to a nice, sensible church where everyone seems like they got their act together, where everyone seems like they're born again, saved, and God, you love these people and you love me. If you just lean on that and say, God, and you go to heaven and say, God, I went to a nice church. Everyone was nice and waving and smiling. Everyone, everyone was so nice. Yeah, but that wasn't the deal. The deal was for you to be set free to live the life that I paid through my son for you to live. To live out your days in the freedom of who you are. Be the best version of you, of not someone else. Great Twitter quote. Be the best version of you. I couldn't help it, but I, I, I see some people copying. And uh, if I be like him, if I act like him, if I preach like him, I couldn't believe it. I said to Jules at this place I went to anyway, uh, I said, mate, they, they, they got every mannerism, every quirk, every mannerism, just like so-and-so. I said, yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? But why don't we be the best version? And to do that, we have to be set free. Because when we have these huge peer pressures of people, oh, I couldn't be like that. I couldn't, but if I molded myself to them, if I became like them, if I acted like them, I could get to where they are. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.